0: Shalom, Mishbucha. Shalom, family. Mishbucha is a Hebrew word. It means family, and we're the Mishbucha, the family with the Jewish heart. Made up of Jewish and non Jewish people, we're the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile. It's finally come down to form one new man getting ready mishpochah to blow the grandest shofar or the grandest trumpet in zion we want everyone everywhere to hear the good news we want everyone everywhere to be red hot for the messiah and i i have to tell you i have uh tom horn who is co-author of uh the best-selling book petrius romanus Uh, subtitled The Final Pope is Here, and uh, they made headlines because they predicted the pope would uh, retire and then the last pope would come into office, and that's exactly what occurred. Uh, But Tom, on yesterday's broadcast, you were talking about uh, some of these Vatican uh, astronomers and experts Put information into your hands as to what they're up to. And when I read this, I said, this is the most plausible understanding of end times, book of revelation uh, that I've, I've ever seen. Tell me some of the information that you found out.
1: Well, yesterday we were talking about what Guy Cosmonago uh, had told us that led us to, in fact, we went back to him and said, we want to make sure that we're not misquoting you. I mean, are you really suggesting that Jesus would have, was the son of a child of other races, a star child, that, they, that basically, as you view it, the virgin birth." Of Mary, who you so highly regard, was equivalent to to an alien abduction scenario in which the virgin birth was actually because she was abducted and impregnated by E.T. and gave birth to a hybrid Jesus. And he confirmed that. And so um, all all of this, Sid, would seem just impossible theology if it wasn't for the fact that so many high-ranking Vatican spokespersons are confirming it. Some of this is public knowledge. Some of these are public articles that I've been pointing to that are being written by Opus Dei level theologians who are fashioning the doctrine around which I foresee A soon coming people decree. This is what I believe. Now, don't forget that I I was able to predict, but but not because I'm calling myself a prophet, but because we did so much exhaustive research, tens of thousands of pages of research, a team of six people who spent a year, including private investigators, looking into the murder of certain priests who we think were ready to talk about some of this stuff, and suddenly they showed up dead. This was an exhaustive research project that eventually led us, to predict that Pope Benedict would abdicate the throne citing health reasons and even when it would happen and we were correct. Now because we were we went on then into what's an even larger investigation Exo-Vaticana which you have exclusivity to for the first release of the book and uh, and we got other Vatican spokespersons willing to talk to us by the way we went to the Vatican Astronomical Technology Telescope the Jesuits met with us, they gave us complete access to their uh, telescope on top of Mount Graham. We went from there to the large binocular telescope next door where the Lucifer device is installed, which they also uh, use. And, yes, the device is actually named after uh, the devil. And we spent the entire day, we spent about 12 hours with them that day.
0: Now, now that was in Mount Graham, uh, Arizona. uh, But there was an interesting uh, aspect about the Apaches right where that telescope is.
1: Yeah, well, the Apaches consider that mountain to be sacred. And even that's interesting. We talk about it in the book because they connect it to their creation myth, in which a disk descended down from out of the heavens, and the great creator god spoke to them. And it sounds very much like today's traditional descriptions of uh, of UFO activity. But they consider that mountain to be sacred, and they call it the Star Base now, uh, almost tongue in cheek, because of the Vatican. Uh, personnel that's atop there uh, using those various devices to study deep space. And when you start looking into the the lawsuits that they have filed in the past to try to keep the Vatican from building their uh, telescope atop that mountain and, and all of the history that's around that that we go in in the book, you go back to – like Dr. Christopher Corballi. Uh, He's the vice director for the Vatican Observatory Research Group. He was until uh, the end of 2012, so he was up until a few months ago. He, too, believes that our image of God is going to have to change. And soon, because of alien life being confirmed, he's talked about this publicly, and he says it's going to include the need to evolve from the concept of an anthropocentric God into a broader entity. Well, he means exactly what that sounds like. We've always thought, that the earth was special, that God created heaven here, that Jesus came here. And they're going to help us to understand that that's not true. We live in a Star Trek-type reality. There's, there's intelligent life all over the place, spread throughout the cosmos. Many of them are morally superior to us. And as a matter of fact, some of them have been given the destiny of soon coming to earth to evangelize us, to correct the mistakes that we've made in our theology. That's what he believes. Uh, the current Vatican Observatory Director is Father Jose Funas uh he uh has gone equally far he suggests that alien life not only exists in the universe but this is our brother And uh, when it is revealed, then the true faith of Christianity, and furthermore, the dominion of Rome in regard to that true faith, um, will uh, take its final position. The L. Observatory Romano, the official mouthpiece for the media, uh, they uh, asked him recently what he meant by that, and he talked about how life can't be ruled out, that the reality of it is sooner than later. Uh, And these are our uh, space brothers who are going to come and help us with our theological uh, problems he, he, he Monsignor Corrado balducci uh, he died a couple of years ago. He was an exorcist, a theologian. He was a member of the Vatican Curia, which is the governing body at Rome. He was a friend of the Pope. Uh, he went so far as to go on Italian national television, and you can, you can Google the YouTubes on this and watch them, in which numerous times. He, he said some very important things. He stated that extraterrestrials were not only possible, but they're already here, and they're already interacting with the earth, and that the Vatican's leaders were aware of it. Now, why is it important to pay attention to what he said because he was the official spokesperson for the Vatican on the reality of alien intelligence and he was a demonologist he was an exorcist and he says that these creatures are not demonic and they're not due to psychological impairment that their reality on earth is real they're already interacting with us and he even said that the Vatican was not only closely following the phenomenon, but they were quietly compiling material evidence using the Vatican's embassies around the world on the extraterrestrials and their mission. And this was something, by the way, he died, the Vatican has never corrected that. They've never said he was just speaking for himself, he wasn't speaking for the church. And officially he was speaking for the church, and that's never been corrected.
0: Let me let me take you back for uh For those that were listening earlier in the week, uh, we found out you had such a unique background, Tom. Uh, You you had literally scriptural information, revelation information— downloaded to you about a year after you became a believer. Uh, of course, you've been Assembly of God pastor for over 25 years, and you teamed up with Chris Putnam, uh, who's a theologian, so that everything is line upon line, precept upon precept. Uh, but in your own family, uniquely enough, there was ET-type activity. Uh, tell, continue that story you started earlier in the last—that was actually last week.
1: Why would I be interested uh, in, you know, UFOs, uh, alien abduction, that kind of phenomenon? It was because there was this secret held in my family for a very long time that I'm now for the first time talking about in this book, and I'm doing so, Sid... Because I know there have to be an awful lot of other people out there who are Christians today, but who had experiences in their past that seem oddly comparable to what other people call alien abduction. And some of that stuff haunts them, and they've never had anybody they can go to. They don't have people they can go to to talk to. And the end of my story actually has to do with the fact that you can have complete and final Uh, deliverance over what some people call alien abduction phenomenon it can be stopped dead in its tracks through the power of prayer and the authority of jesus christ and i know this experientially it's not a theory with me in my family uh we go into this very long story we won't have time on this radio show to talk about but how my dad made a discovery It was connected to some very famous UFO activity cases, but shortly after that, my sister started experiencing what I would only, many years later, as an adult, because I was young then, as an adult, I would begin seeing her story basically being told by others in abduction phenomenon, and the day finally came when I went to her. We had very long conversations about this. She was not a Christian. And I realized not only had it started happening when we, were, uh, when we were kids, and it is very traditional, the whole small, bulbous-headed gray beings coming into your room, the whole thing, very traditional to what so many other tens of thousands of people around the world have reported. Uh, and over a period of time, I was able to help her get her life right with God and uh, claim the authority of Jesus Christ. And I told her, when these things come, you cannot just rely on me praying for you. You, you can get your life right. Right, and by getting your life right, you can claim this authority. And not only was she having those experiences, but a federal employee who was her daughter, and it was her husband, who was a nuclear physicist doing top secret work for the government, that disappeared and has never been seen again. This is an astonishing story. It's all documentable, but in her case and in her daughter's case, we were able to see that activity stop permanently by their acceptance of Jesus Christ, and their are using the authority of prayer and the name of Jesus, and that activity stopped. And we want other people to know that this has a demonic aspect to it, and it can be ceased in its tracks, that every power on earth and in the heavens bows at the name of Jesus Christ, and that's the message.
0: I can't wait for you to read these two books we're making available. It's a whole new paradigm for end times. They document the secret files in the Vatican library and the belief that the Vatican says there are aliens from outer space. Petrus Romanus, the last pope, hidden deep in the Vatican libraries 900 years ago, there was a vision of the next 112 popes. Stunning accuracy of the first 111. Now, This last pope will take office for the final judgment. The second book, Exo-Vaticana, and I might add it's not available in bookstores. We have an exclusive on this for a while. Documents Vatican plans for the arrival of an alien god with a small g from another planet and complete reevaluation of Christianity. This is such a plausible view of the Antichrist. Coming in the clouds to deceive the masses. Both books available for a gift of $35. I'm interrupting this show with a special announcement. We have a new Pope, St. Francis. According to the Malachi prophecy, he had to be a Roman. Did you know that this new Pope's parents were from Italy? Roman? Not only that, he's the first Jesuit to ever be Pope. And as you've just heard, the Jesuits are involved with the aliens. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. one 447 2697 Just briefly, uh, Tom, and I have Tom Horn, co-author of the book, uh, just briefly, what can we expect from uh, the last pope?
1: Well, what we can expect from the last pope, Sid, if Catholic mystics throughout time have been correct is that this will be a pope who one way or another is either going to be under the control of dark forces or he's going to be duped. But one way or the other, he's going to help give rise to the kingdom of the Antichrist. And when you look around the world today and all of the signs and times. It appears that this intergalactic wise man we were talking about in the other shows, this superior intelligence that's going to appear with all lying signs and wonders that his coming may be imminent. And if it is, then, of course, this tells us that the coming of Christ, the rapture of the church, these two are imminent.
0: Now, some say uh, that uh, the last pope will be under the influence of the Antichrist. What do you think?
1: Well, definitely, I think everything that we've done in terms of research, Sid, does point Uh, to the fact that this is going to be a pope or an antipope who uh, is going to help give rise to the Antichrist. And you know something else that's also astonishing about this is a 700-year-old prophecy that is in the Zohar that sounds almost identical in some cases to the 900-year-old medieval prophecy of the popes. Uh, Now, the Zohar, as many of your listeners might know, this is the most important work of Jewish Kabbalah. Uh, It's a collection of books written in medieval Aramaic over 700 years ago that has mystical commentary on the Pentateuch, the five books of of Moses, right? The Torah. Um, But in addition to interpreting the scripture, there's a section called the Viera section that has a subsection called the Signs Heralding Mashiach or the Coming of the Messiah, And the fascinating date for his appearance in the Zohar is set in the Jewish calendar year, 5773, which began just five months ago uh, in our Gregorian calendar in September of the new moon, 2012. And it runs through this year, 2013, to August. And the fascinating date that they set is i almost identical to the very time now that we are electing who would be the final pope in a 900-year-old prophecy. And let me just give you a very quick reading of a part of what this prophecy in the Zohar says. Uh, Quote, in the year 5773, that's 2012-2013 in our Gregorian calendar, the kings of the world will assemble in the great city of Rome. Now, let me stop there for just a moment and point out that the only time that we know... When either the kings of the earth or their representatives, their ambassadors, would be gathering in the great city of Rome. The only time that would happen would be during a conclave or during the inauguration of the new Pope. And it says, at that time, I'm going to start quoting again now, the Holy One will shower on them fire and hail and meteoric stones until they are destroyed, with the exception of those who will not yet have arrived there. That sounds almost identical to the prophecy of the Popes, where when Petrus Romanus takes his throne, it's going to ultimately lead to the destruction of Rome. And then it says this, from that time, the Messiah will begin to declare himself and. Around him, there will be gathered many nations and many hosts from the uttermost ends of the earth end quote. So Sid, we have an extraordinary seven hundred year old prophecy from orthodox Jews who had rejected Jesus Christ as their Messiah. And so we know that they are actually looking to who we would call the Antichrist, the one who for a short period of time the Jews are going to accept him as their Messiah. Ultimately, many of them will realize they've made a mistake, and there will be many Jews that then will be saved during this great tribulation period. But they set that time specifically for the year that we are right now in the middle of, 2012 to 2013, and it's unfolding at exactly the same time that a 900-year-old medieval Catholic prophecy Uh, is seeing the arrival of the final pope on its list. And I should add one other final quick thing that these Jews could not have known about the prophecy of the Popes, because it was concealed inside the Vatican Library and was not published until 1595, 200 years after they made this prediction. So there is something very preternatural that is going on here with ancient sources, some of them occultic sources, all of which for some reason seem to be fixated on something that starts in 2012, and uh, we won't have time to talk about it. People can read it in the book that you have exclusivity to, but it's also related to the year 2016, three and a half years later.
0: Okay, I want you to take me from the last Pope with your sanctified imagination, with your knowledge of Scripture, and your knowledge of what's going on in the realm of aliens and E.T. Paint me a picture of what's coming. What's
1: coming is what the world has been waiting for for a very long time. In Christian eschatology, we've always thought of a future in which a man of superior intelligence, wit, charm, diplomacy, is going to descend from the clouds. And emerge on the world scene as a savior. He's going to seemingly possess transcendent wisdom that enables him to solve all of our problems. He's going to offer solutions to our leaders and to the chaos that is gripping today's world. He's going to be popular. His popularity will be widespread. His fans are going to be young and old, religious, non-religious, male, female, talk show hosts are going to be interviewing his colleagues, news anchors. They're all going to be celebrating his arrival, but his profound comprehension and irresistible presence is actually going to be the result of an invisible network of thousands of years of collective knowledge. Uh, He is going to be the embodiment of a very old, super-intelligent spirit, just like Jesus Christ was the seed of the woman. He's going to be the seed of the serpent, according to G- uh, Genesis three, fifteen, And uh, his arrival has been foretold by you and by scriptures, Sid, but the broad masses of the world are not going to recognize him as the ultimate incarnation of the beast of Revelation thirteen one. And I believe that everything we've done, hundreds of pages of research, thousands of authoritative endnotes, all point to the fact that we have now entered into the countdown for the arrival of the false prophet and the Antichrist of biblical fame. So this is a time for believers to know who they are and to know their authority and to look up and to make sure that they're living right before God because any moment now, any moment now, the world is going to be taken off guard.
0: Now tell me some of the research that you have uncovered within the Catholic Church that will cause them to be deceived also.
1: This is extraordinary. Um, there's been testimony among numerous highly placed church experts who believe that a satanic deception is very real and it is operating inside the leonine walls of the Holy See. Uh, Monsignor Luigi Marinelli wrote a book, 1999, called Gone with the Wind in the Vatican. 100,000 copies sold in three weeks. And it, But if you read the book, All he talks about is Satanism being practiced by certain cardinals in the Vatican. It's extraordinary. Uh, Archbishop uh, uh, Emmanuel Malongo, uh, in a speech at the Our Lady of Fatima 2000 International Conference, said that there were high-ranking members of the church hierarchy who were not true Catholics. They're not true believers. They're infiltrators, and they're in league with Satan. Of course, that's something that uh, you know, the late exorcist and maverick professor, um, Jesuit uh, Malachi Martin also said as a matter of fact when the magazine uh, the Fatima Crusader asked martin about the alarm that had been raised over malongo's claim that high ranking Vatican officials were working with satan to bring about the uh, 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 the incarnation of an evil spirit in a final pope in fact martin wrote a book called the final conclave in which he saw the end of the prophecy of the popes and the incarnation of the false prophet and uh, he replied to their inquiry and he said anybody Who's acquainted with the state of affairs in the Vatican in the last 35 years is well aware that the Prince of Darkness has had and continues to have his surrogates in the court of Saint Peter in Rome. These are these are Jesuits. These are people who are dedicated to the preservation of the true Catholic faith. So these are not enemies. These are not you know uh, uh, people who are trying to take cheap shots at the Vatican. They're part of it. And uh, uh, and you've seen in recent news. Uh, the Italian news media right now is burning up with alleged gay sex scandals in the Vatican, claims of child sexual abuse by priests, all that stuff. But all of that, according to guys like Malachi Martin, was, the, was really just the surface evidence of something much deeper that did not re- reflect the true Catholic faith, and that these people have been working for some time uh, to bring about the uh, inception and embodiment in flesh of an immaterial spirit that would fill... The final pope. In fact, if you have ever read any Malachi's books, you know that he talked about the uh, enthronement of the fallen Archangel Lucifer in the Roman Catholic Citadel in uh, June of 1963. And all of that, he said, is connected to what would come. Now, he died, and he's not going to see it happen in the same way we are. But boy, does it appear that everything now that's unfolding around the world, including at Rome, is a fulfillment of what some of these Catholic prophets, theologians, and seers uh, Uh, said would come
0: i'm interrupting this show with a special announcement we have a new pope saint francis according to the malachi prophecy he had to be a roman did you know that this new pope's parents were from italy roman not only that he's the first jesuit to ever be pope and as you've just heard the jesuits are involved with the aliens for the next two days, I want you to paint a picture of what you see coming, starting with what you call, and many others call, the last pope.
1: There's intrigue that surrounds how this final pope is going to accommodate the newly celebrated astral theology of some of Rome's top astronomers, theologians, whether this will somehow fulfill these Catholic prophecies we've talked about, too, concerning the coming man of sin, the seed of Satan, either as an alien serpent savior or as a deceiver that points mankind to a god of another world. And you're right. That just sounds outrageous, right? <laughs> and and it won't be until somebody gets this book from you and they read it and they read the actual astronomers that we interviewed and the stuff that they told us that they'll be able to nail down in their mind that no matter how incredible this may sound, it is an emerging belief system that has its seat in Rome. But in point of fact, the Bible uh, told us a lot about this before um, any of these astronomers did. The Bible describes both the false prophet. Is that going to be uh, this new pope, Petrus Romanus? It also describes the Antichrist as having allegiances and endowments that are not of this earth. Uh, not only can both of them call fire down from out of those heavens, uh, suspected to be the host location of aliens, Revelation 13, uh, 12 and through 14 and so on talk about that, and describe a clear alliance between uh, the powers of the celestial realm and these two leading end-time characters on earth. But not only does that happen, uh, but the prophet Daniel tells us that their belief system will actually honor a strange, alien God. This is a true interpretation of the Hebrew Old Testament. In Daniel 11:38 through 39, here's what it says, quote, But in his estate shall he honor the God of forces, and a God whom his fathers knew not. Shall he honor with gold and silver, precious stones, pleasant things? Thus shall he do in the most strongholds, that's the Hebrew mazim, um, with a strange God, whom he shall acknowledge and increase with glory, and he shall cause them to rule over many and shall divide the land for gain. End quote. Now there's several parts of this prophecy from Daniel concerning the arrival of the Antichrist and his celebration of a strange alien God that stands out just really unusual. First, the God of forces that he describes or, alternatively, god of fortresses. This is connected to Baal Shamim, literally the lord of the heavens. And this is an ancient sky deity that the uh, Manichaean Gnostics worshipped as the greatest angel of the greatest power of the heavens. But the second reference in that text is what really gets me. It's to a deity that he calls a strange god. The Hebrew text there can literally be rendered an alien god. So. there is this extraordinary prophecy in the book of Daniel that seemed to have forecast the very stuff that we're now talking about that is emerging right at the same time that the 700-year-old Zohar tells us that the Antichrist would appear, and a 900-year-old Catholic prophecy tells us the final pope would appear. At exactly that same time, theology is intentionally being developed that would accommodate what it sounds like the prophet Daniel uh, was describing. And so with that in mind, we provide in this book that you're making available to people sources that make it evident that for hundreds of years, both Catholic prophets and Protestant reformers even believed that the Antichrist would ultimately champion a strange alien god through an apostate priesthood and that to some extent this would be seated in Rome. Catholics believe that too. Uh, And that also, that union would ultimately lead to war and destruction from the heavens. Um, One thing we didn't take time to talk about is the fact that turn of the century... Uh, uh, Protestant reformers also set dates. We don't set dates, but they did. And guess what? More than two dozen of them, including famous turn-of-the-century preachers like Jonathan Edwards, old sinners in the hands of an angry God, Jonathan Edwards. Guess what? He said in the year 2012, will be the date in which the Antichrist and the false prophet will begin their emergence upon the earth. More than two dozen Protestant reformers made that prediction. The Theological Dictionary of Princeton University, 1830, the end will begin in the year 2012. So over and over, both Protestants, Catholics, evangelicals and also occultic sources, the Maya, the end of their calendar. They didn't say the end would come. That's baloney. What they said was a new time would dawn upon the earth, out of which will come a new form of man. And the Maya also saw two great leaders would emerge upon the earth at that period of time, of which the earth would be enamored. So, Sid, what I'm saying is we're now facing a world. It's a world of change. It's a strange time. And um, we're, we're harnessing the cosmic energies now in a way. That may not play out very well uh, for mankind
0: now tell me about your scenario of uh, perhaps hybrid humans
1: yeah well this is this is extraordinary uh, i 've not only wrote the book on transhumanism and the connection it may play with the arrival. Of an Antichrist. I'm also producing a documentary film on the subject. This is a very growing popular belief uh, that we are entering what is now being called the hybrid age. And what they mean by that is that this is an age now in which we're going to do to humans what we have been doing with genetically modified crops, what we have been doing with genetically modified animals and super salmon and all that stuff. And you can't go to the store today if you go down to your local super Walmart and you buy almost anything off the shelf. It is now contaminated with genetically modified organisms. And we're not going to know if the Lord Terry, we're not going to know what the results of that is going to be uh, on our health, on our genetic or anything else, Uh, but now the next step is to begin doing to humans what we have been doing with genetically modified crops and genetically modified uh, animals. And we could talk about the genetics, the, the robotics, uh, the uh, you know artificial intelligence, nanotechnology, synthetic biology, but I happen to believe that some of this actually has its, has its date in the past when things happened, uh, what would we call them? The, the uh, watchers who came down, this ancient story, this legend that I happen to believe has its roots in truth when these powerful angels. We could think of them uh, as being genetic scientists who came down. And what did they do? They started interbreeding with humans and they mixed animal genetics and human genetics. And they created this bizarre creature called the Nephilim of ancient days. But the prophecy in Matthew 24 tells us, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be at the coming of the Son of Man. So once again, are we seeing a very powerful sign that tells us? The times in which we are living in which man now for the first time since the great flood has intentionally set about to alter the human genetic code and to do what we believe happened once before when it said that all flesh, both man and beast, had been corrupted. And that uh, ultimately led to the, uh, the great flood in which God had to obliterate these, these contaminated bloodlines and start over again with Noah and his offspring.
0: Well, this sounds, this intermingling in the foods and now in the humans uh, of, of corrupting sounds just like the days of Noah again.
1: It absolutely does, Sid. In fact, one of the university professors that's well connected to transhumanism—he's um, the director of the Future of Humanity Institute—and he's advocating that to build the superior man of the future, uh, we need to blend the genetics of humans with animals and plants, synthetic life forms. It does. It sounds identical to what the you know, all of the ancient records that are both reflected in the Bible and also just period pieces of the time. What we would now think of as you know newspaper reports. It's people seeing what they saw and reporting uh, what was going on with the the blending of animal genetics, plant genetics, human genetics what 's very interesting about some of this and we 'll run out of time to talk about is how uh, you know some of these people see these man with beast combinations opening. Uh, dimensions, opening portals to other realities, opening our eyes, that in the same way that the animal kingdom has levels of perception that are beyond human, like animals can sense earthquakes, smell tumors, dogs can hear sounds above 40,000 hertz, dolphins even higher, but we also know Based on the scripture, at least in the story of the biblical story of Balaam's donkey, they might also be able to see into the spirit world. And it is amazing right now mm. that from uh, the transhumanists, the world's leaders actually in this field, all the way over to the Arizona State University that recently launched uh, uh, what's called the Sophia Project, that behind their transhumanist aspirations is the quest. In fact, on the Arizona State University website, it actually says to make contact with with deceased people, spirit guides, angels, otherworldly entities and extraterrestrials, and or a universal intelligence or God. So they specifically want to use this as a method to open portals that were closed by God in order to make contact with other kinds of intelligence.
0: You can't possibly understand end times without these two books. They document secret files in the Vatican Library and belief in Aliens. Petrus Romanus, The Last Pope, is the first book. Hidden in Vatican libraries 900 years ago, there was a vision of the next 112 popes. Stunning accuracy of the first 111. Now, this last pope will take office for the final judgment. The second book, Literally, just off the press, not available in bookstores exclusively with our ministry is called Exo Vaticanum. It documents the Vatican plans for arrival of an alien god with a small g from another planet and complete reevaluation of Christianity from the Vatican. Both books available for a gift of $35. I'm interrupting this show with a special announcement. We have a new pope St. Francis. According to the Malachi prophecy, he had to be a Roman. Did you know that this new Pope's parents were from Italy, Roman? Not only that, he's the first Jesuit to ever be Pope. And as you've just heard, the Jesuits are involved with the aliens. Call our order only line 1-800-447-2697. 1-800-447-2697. Tom, you saw that that lightning, uh, that light that that was right over the Vatican. Tell me about that.
1: Isn't that extraordinary? February 11th, uh, just a couple of weeks ago now, three, four weeks ago now, lightning struck St. Peter's Basilica twice, immediately, uh, on the resignation of Pope Benedict XVI. Now, of course could have been coincidental but lightning is something that in sacred literature always carries spiritual connotations sometimes it's good sometimes it's evil like when jesus referred to satan uh, satan as falling like lightning in luke 10:18 and you know said i couldn't help but think that the timing of those two lightning bolts on that particular building at vatican city at that exact time following benedict's resignation I mean, my gut feeling, and I could be wrong, but I thought it was beyond mathematical probability of chance. First of all, it was two bolts. And don't forget that you know, what we talked about earlier this week, two central figures of end times prophecy, the false prophet and the Antichrist. They're described in the book of Revelation as being able to call down fire like lightning from heaven. Uh, and this is not just an evangelical speaking, there are some Catholics right now, some of the some of the known leaders in uh, Catholicism right now that are have the same reasoning in fact one of the one of the most highly visited Catholic sites is run by a guy I know uh, he's communicated with me off and on over the years. He reads my books and websites on a regular basis uh, and but he you know went on to this major Catholic website and started telling Catholics, look, the lightning that struck St. Peter's Basilica some days ago, I mean, this, this was not chance, this was something else.
0: I've got Chris Putnam on the telephone, uh, best-selling author of uh, the books we've been talking about all this week, and uh, Chris, uh, you talk about uh, the visions that many people have heard about at uh, Fatima, Portugal, uh, how does that tie in with UFOs?
2: Well, we have to remember that we're talking about the year 1917. So this was, you know, long before terminology like flying saucer and UFO were in the vocabulary. Um, but if if you look at the descriptions of what the crowd uh, saw that day in 1917 and in Fatima, it really sounds remarkably similar to what, you know, we would call a a UFO today. Um, You know, it's called the miracle of the sun, but I don't think anyone really believes that the sun actually danced in the sky. I mean, just the laws of physics would dictate, you know, if the sun moved, it would actually toss the earth all around and the whole world would see it. You know, so it's pretty clear that it wasn't actually the sun, but, I will mean, just read, here's some descriptions from some of the eyewitnesses. They say, a weird disc that turns rapidly on its own axis and casts off beams of colored light in all directions. Shafts of red light shot out from the rim of the sun and colored clouds, the earth, the trees, and the people with shafts of violet, yellow, blue. So what you have is a spinning disc in the sky that's, you know, throwing off colors. And this is what people saw in the sky and they they call this the miracle of the sun. Uh I think mainly because as it, you know, zigzagged around in the sky, it kind of disappeared into the sun, flew into the sun as it went away. And then the people realized that the rain had stopped because they had been standing in the rain. Um so I mean this has all the uh the telltale signs of what you know most people would call a UFO sighting today. If I saw a silver disc spinning around in the sky, um, I just don't think that that was in the vocabulary back in 1917. And then you have, you know, the the words of these children who said that they were channeling Mary. And that's really, you know, why it got associated with the Catholic dogma.
0: I, I mean, I, I I really am not that knowledgeable of it, but I thought it, everyone saw Mary and heard her words.
2: No, no. Um, the way that the, the Marian apparition typically works, and this is the case with all of the cases I've studied, is that it, it usually picks children, uh, usually young children under 10 years old, and it's basically the same as channeling. Uh, these children hear Mary's voice, and they're the only ones that hear it, and, and they write down what Mary allegedly says. So, basically, you have some impressionable youngsters, usually that, you know, supposedly get these messages from Mary, and then the the signs in the sky or or whatever that seem to authenticate it um, have nothing to do with Mary. You know, they're usually something like this.
0: Now, tell me about the Pope that saw those same flying objects and then came with uh, some uh, revolutionary conclusions about the mother of Jesus, Mary.
2: Well, that that's one of the things that not too many people know about. But the Pope that actually, you know, when they have a, an apparition like Fatima, they, they have an approval process where the Church kind of rubber stamps it as an official thing that Catholics can't believe. Now, the Pope that did that for Fatima was Pius XII, who was the Pope during World War II. Um, and what not too many people know is that in 1950, he was thinking of Promulgating a doctrine they call the Assumption of Mary. Now, this is a really kind of a strange doctrine that that he did end up promulgating that Mary ascended into heaven just like we read Jesus doing in the Book of Acts. Um, but Pius XII says that the day that he was thinking of defining this this doctrine of writing it down, uh, that he saw the same thing happen over the Vatican Gardens. And in fact, he, he wrote this in a note uh, that on 4 p.m. October 30th, 1950, while he was taking a walk in the Vatican Gardens, um, that he saw an opaque sphere uh, surrounded by a luminous circle and it, it, it twisted and rotated all around in the sky, um, spinning, throwing out colors, the same sort of This shape object, you know, with the same sort of phenomenon that people described at Fatima. And this was in 1950, you know, 37 years later. um, And he, he used this as his inspiration to go ahead and to promulgate this doctrine of the assumption. So, you know, in a very real way, we have an unidentified aerial phenomenon sort of inspiring a pope to, you know, create new doctrines that all Catholics are supposed to believe.
0: Now, the, what about all of the sightings of the UFOs over the Vatican? Well,
2: there have been quite a few, and uh, that was one of the things that I I, I tried to do just to, to see what was going on with this, is that there are some very interesting correlations of UFO sightings and events within the Catholic Church. One of the most, uh, I think, compelling is the year 1978. It's a famous year for the papacy because it's the year of three popes. This is when Paul VI died, and then they elected John Paul I, and he only lived 33 days. And then they elected John Paul II, who is the famous pope that most of us probably remember really well. But, you know, what we... What a lot of people don't know is that during that brief reign of John Paul I, he was only Pope 33 days, there was a massive outbreak of UFO sightings over Rome. Now, this is you know, not just some obscure UFO reports. This actually made the New York Times news service, and you know, it, it's, it was seen by airport officials. Policemen verified this. Uh, officials at the Vatican saw it. So it's not just a, you know, an obscure kind of fringe sort of story. It actually made the United States papers in 1978, and I have uh, reproduced a clipping from the New York Times News Service uh, you know, verifying all these facts.
0: Now, what is the Vatican plan for the arrival of a UFO um, god with a small g?
2: What we uncovered in the process of our research is that several theologians uh, from the Vatican have written some statements that seem to make e- be making allowances for the existence of extraterrestrials, uh, even you know making allowances for adapting theology you know to to amalgamate the revelations that might come with these new beings, uh, which is really kind of troubling to me, given the Vatican's track record of revision already. The Vatican II uh, process that happened in the 1960s, they kind of had, they they adopted this idea of the anonymous Christian, uh, where uh, people from different faiths could actually come in and be saved without even knowing Christ. So when you think about somebody that's willing to to adapt things to that extent, uh, dealing with something from outside of this world— they don't have a particularly good track record. So I think that they're wide open to a deception. What we are thinking is that there, there's going to be a ruse, you know, a, a ruse by supernatural forces who claim to be extraterrestrials. Now, with these kind of theological constructs...
0: i, I, I tell you what, we're out of time. Chris, on this Friday broadcast, I want to, you to use what you know from having studied the documents in the Catholic Church and interviewing uh, many uh, people in the Catholic uh, hierarchy, uh, what you know about Scripture, and, uh, and of course, you are a theologian, and your sanctified imagination. Paint me a picture of what we can expect from the last pope.
2: Well, Sid, you know, what I've uncovered is— some some particularly disturbing uh, theological constructs that that have been adopted within Roman Catholicism. It it really goes back to the work of a Jesuit named Pierre Teilhard de Chardin. And Chardin was a a paleontologist that operated... uh, He he really discovered evidence for evolution and Darwinism in the early 20th century. And, And during his time he was widely considered a heretic in Catholic circles. Uh, now, a lot of people think that Pope Benedict XVI, he, he gets described as a conservative in the media, and that's because of his stances on things like abortion and same-sex marriage. And yes, he takes conservative stances on those sorts of issues, but I found some really startling uh, statements that he has made in his theological writings, where he's really adopted uh, Chardon's Uh, concept of evolution. Sardan kind of pioneered this really uh, mystical system of Darwinism. And, you know, the whole idea of aliens and and belief in, in extraterrestrials living on other planets, this whole idea of astrobiology, it's really fundamentally founded on a worldview that says that life is really not special Uh, That it just sort of evolves when the conditions are right. If you have water and a planet, a certain distance from its star, where the temperatures are, are helpful, then life will just kind of pop into being. And because of this, and there's, you know, they postulate that there's millions of planets out there. There's really no reason to assume that the Earth is special. So we should think that life has appeared all over the place. And this is the worldview that drives. Uh, modern astronomy and astrobiology, and the modern Jesuits have uh, widely accepted this uh, worldview and these tenets of uh, the Earth being a mediocre planet amongst many. Now, given these worldview issues, it's kind of astounding, you know, when I hear people saying that Pope Benedict is, uh, you know, conservative because he they wholeheartedly endorse. This Darwinistic uh, worldview, where man is just an evolved primate, um, and that you know that, that extraterrestrials are an inevitable uh, corollary to, to that worldview. Now, you know, with that in mind, a lot of the things that they write start to come into focus. Um, some of their their most respected theologians, uh, Giuseppe Tanzanella Nitti who is uh, a member of Opus Dei and a professor of theology at the University of the Holy Cross in Rome, has actually written quite a bit on what they call exotheology. Now, he's talking about unexpected information of a religious character from extraterrestrial civilizations. Now, what he recommends is that we have to submit this new religious contact coming outside of the earth to Analysis of reasonableness. And once the trustworthiness of the information has been verified, that we should try to reconcile the new information with the truth that we already know or believe on the basis of revelation of the one true God, conducting, this is his words, a rereading inclusive of the new data, similar to that which would be applied in ordinary religious dialogue. So he's saying that we should reread the revelation that we've been given in light of this new data from extraterrestrials. Now, this is their own writings, and so it really seems like they are anticipating this and have laid the foundations for it. Now, the thing that I find deeply troubling about that is that you know, the the track record of them rereading Revelation in interreligious dialogue is already pretty dismal.
0: So when you're saying rereading, are you saying reinterpreting it and totally changing the gospel? Is that what what you're implying?
2: Yeah, I think that that is the danger. I think that's what we're looking at. And, you know, the thesis that uh, Tom Horn and I are advocating is that we don't believe in extraterrestrials. I mean, you know, just to be, you know, really honest, the Bible doesn't say one way or the other. But it, it doesn't give me the impression, you know, the Bible has a philosophy of history. You know, it, it tells us, you know, that God has a plan for the earth and that the earth is central in his plan. It tells us that angels long to look into these things. You know, the earth, is, you know, and humanity are a central focus of what we read in Scripture.
0: Okay, if you don't believe in extraterrestrials, what do you believe in? Do you believe there will be demons that will pose in that position? Is that what you believe?
2: That's absolutely my, my thesis. It's because, you know, I don't see anything in Scripture about advanced extraterrestrials coming down here to help us evolve, which is the message that we get from the people that claim to have contact with these things. But I do see a lot in Scripture about a strong delusion.
0: Okay, paint me a picture of what this strong delusion could look like in the next few minutes.
2: Well, it it could be, it could happen in several ways. I mean, it could be as obvious as a huge UFO appearing over a major city and, you know, these beings um, communicating to us that they're here to save us or that they're our creators. I mean, this idea of panspermia that life on Earth originated from space is actually very popular within scientific circles. Uh, It could be something as subtle as that. It doesn't have to be a huge UFO over the cities. I mean, that's what we might expect from the movies, but it could be something as subtle as scientific evidence saying that we were created off Earth or that aliens seeded life on Earth. It could be something as subtle as that. I suspect it'll be somewhere in the middle. I kind of think that we will see some sort of entity claiming to be an extraterrestrial. And that's my speculation. And I think part of that message would be something along the lines of panspermia. And panspermia is the idea that life on Earth was seeded from space.
0: You know, everything that you're saying to me, Leads me to one specific scripture, which I've stated before, as I've interviewed uh, you and your co-author, and that is Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse eleven. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. If they're not going to believe the truth, God says we're going to believe the lie. And everything you tell me has that s- scripture just shouting at me. What do you think about that?
2: Yeah, I think that that uh, scripture has a lot of explanatory scope. You know, when I think about the way people have been led away from believing in God as creator, that, you know, th- th- this delusion is going to be clothed in the language of science, you know, and the sort of thing that people with this naturalistic, scientific worldview are, are primed to accept is, is something like this, something like an extraterrestrial, because it, it seems to have scientific credibility.
0: And, and another earmark of the last days is men's, uh, men are going to be so fearful on um, what's coming on the Earth. Um, it, this all ties in with, the, with all the documentation you've accumulated.
2: Yeah, you know, when Jesus used that language, you know, of what is coming on the earth, that seems to be implying something that is seen as extraterrestrial or something not of this earth. You know, for it to come on the earth, it, it must originate from somewhere else.
0: Well, I'm convinced that it's impossible to understand the end times without the information you've compiled in these two books that document the secret files. Uh, in the Vatican Library on belief in aliens and hidden in the libraries 900 years ago, a vision of the next 112 popes, stunning accuracy of the first 111 predictions. Now, this last pope will take office for the final judgment. That's in your best-selling book, Petrus Romanus. And your brand new book that we have an exclusive on, Exo Vaticana documents the Vatican plans for the arrival of an alien god with a small g from another planet and complete reevaluation of Christianity. The most plausible view of an Antichrist returning in the clouds to deceive the masses I've ever seen. Both books available for a gift of $35 Shabbat broadcast. Let me pray over you. The Lord is blessing you right now. The Lord is keeping you right now. He's literally smiling upon you right now. The Lord is surrounding you with his favor right now. The Lord is giving you his shalom, his completeness in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body. In the name of the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace, Yeshua HaMashiach Sikenu, Jesus the Messiah, our righteousness. I'm interrupting this show with a special announcement. We have a new pope, St. Francis. According to the Malachi prophecy, he had to be a Roman. Did you know that this new pope's parents were from Italy, Roman? Not only that, he's the first Jesuit to ever be pope. And as you've just heard, the Jesuits are involved with the aliens.
1: You are a dunai, Vishma. You are a
0: To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming Mishpucha or Chalitzim, write to me, Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime, one 800 447 for all other calls, the number is 704-943-6500. That's 704-943-6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast, send a donation to Sid Roth. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.